So this week on the Handover Podcast, we are talking to some people about the multi-professional student council. I've got that right, haven't I, Paul? Yeah, yeah. from yeah. northeast. From the yeah. northeast, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, so we're going to have a chat with these guys about, about this really positive thing that's coming out that you can all engage with and interact with. So I'm going to let the guys kind of introduce themselves. So Paul, do you want to just introduce yourself? Good afternoon, yes. Uh, my name is Paul Gibson. I work for, I'm going to sort of change this a little bit. Um, I work for Health Education England, who have now merged with NHS England as of this weekend. So by the time people are listening, we will be part of NHS England. Um, and our sort of main work that we do in my sort of directorate is is the planning, recruiting, educating and training of the health workforce. Um, and it's nursing midwifery and AHPs that we, that we work with. Um, and the multi-professional student council, I'm the project lead for that. Um, so working across the whole of the North Cumbria, North East New Yorkshire, um, with all nurses, midwives and HP, um, pre-registration students to get their voice heard at systems level. And, and we've got Jess on the phone from, from distant Southampton. Hi, Jess. Hello. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Jess Sainsbury. I am a registered adult mental health nurse and I'm working at the Florence Nightingale Foundation as their head of engagement. But I oversee the Student Councils Programme, which is based in the southeast. Um, we've set up over the last couple of years six multi-professional student shared decision-making councils. That is a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Um, made up of student nurses, midwives, trainee nursing associates and allied health professionals and just really excited to talk about what we've done with the student voice and how amazing our student council members are doing. A bit of background for you guys. How did you end up in this role? So I was actually, it was back in 2019. So I was a student nurse um, attending a system event myself to represent the student voice. And one of those outputs was to create a student council um, and then you know things escalated with the, the big C words that happened in 2020 um, but after all of that Health Education England actually um, picked up this student council that we'd created in Hampshire Isle of Wight way down south um, and said look we want to make more of these this model is really working um, do you want to project lead it and of course you know overly enthusiastic um, registered nurse, newly registered nurse, just at that point thought, yeah, this is an opportunity I can't miss. Um, and that's kind of where the student council's program in its current format came from, that opportunity from from HE as well. So very grateful for that. My background's probably completely, well, it is completely different uh, from from Jess there as well. And we, I would, it's probably worth saying as well, actually, that our student council program at a very diff different stage. And I was, I was really pleased that Jess could come and have a chat about what's going on in the Southeast today, because they're a bit more advanced than we are. We're, we'll get into it a bit more when we're chatting, but we're very much at that sort of recruitment first cohort stage. So I've just come into this post very recently, just at, at the end of, of 2022. Um, and, and my background is very much coming from a career and education perspective. So I've done a lot of project work and different career stuff um, across the region, across the Northeast, and then went to work for Health Education England about three, four years ago um, and started off looking after the return to practice programme across the Northeast and Yorkshire. And just to explain that a little bit more. So yeah, the return to practice programme is any nurses, midwives or AHPs that have their NMC or HCPC registration that's lapsed um, and the need to do a bit of updating and up or upskilling to get back 
um, under the register as, as qualified professionals. So I've, I did that for about three years, three and a half years. Um, and then the opportunity came up to work on the, on the student council program. So that's why I'm in this position. Interesting. Very different route into this. And it's nice to hear that you're at different stages and, and there's that kind of collaborative working across the country as well. I, I'm quite encouraged by that. And I think that's a good thing. Tell me a little bit more about what a multi-professional student council is. If you had to explain it to somebody who had no idea, what, what would you explain there? From my perspective, and once again, there may be some slight differences in, in Jess in the Southeast and myself in Northeastern Yorkshire, there's seven regions in total and they're all doing things slightly differently, just depending on what geographically or local needs are. Um, so from my perspective, it might be slightly different um, to elsewhere in the country, but we very much looking at developing that collaboration of, of all regional universities and, and, and NHS and other healthcare providers, stakeholders, and, and getting the councillors not just the voice of one profession or one organisation, so it's equity across the region. So really building that collaboration uh, um, across various different organisations. And I think the other important point of it as well is to make sure that students know that they've they've got a voice and they can be heard at systems level. They can get involved at systems level. I don't think, and when I say systems level, I don't think a lot of students, when they're doing a lot of that hard work in their academic studies and on placement, we don't expect them to know what goes in the background with Health Education England or NHS England for, you know, quality teams and workforce leads and um, integrated care systems or integrated care boards and all that kind of stuff. So we really want to empower them by understanding what goes on and what support is going on behind the scenes. Um, and also giving them, you look at looking at that opportunity from students to be the solution rather than be seen as the problem. They're going, you know, as, as Jess mentioned there, the big C word COVID, things changed a hell of a lot for students over the over the last couple of years. And they're the ones who were going through that. And, you know, we're, we're working a lot with accelerated virtual or learning programs or we're doing hybrid, you know, training or learning in, in the universities. So they're the ones who have go, who've gone through those massive changes. They're the ones who are going to really tell us what's worked well, where there's been barriers, what can improve. So really want to give them that important, important voice and to share that work across our whole region and across our professions as well. So Jess, is that kind of similar for you down, down in Southampton or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd agree with a lot, if not all of that. Um, I guess the initial motivation for the council in the Southeast in the first place was that um, those kind of executive nurse leaders in one of the systems, they realised that they didn't have access to like consistent access to student voice. A lot of the time, you know, in practice, it was, you know, dependent on which students were on placement at the time, A, and B, whether they felt confident enough to actually you know, have a honest conversation with, you know, those senior senior leaders. So it's about creating those structures to, like you say, empower students to be part of those conversations in the first place. But as as it's developed, it's been about more about um kind of creating the next generation of system leaders who understand how, you know, the different health and social care systems all talk to each other. You know, there's all that overlap. And I guess when you're on your um, clinical placements, a lot of the time your focus is on your assessment or following that patient journey, which is great and obviously really important. But without these opportunities, there isn't that chance to kind of look up is what I talk about a lot with our students. You kind of get to 
to look up beyond your kind of I'm a university of Southampton student and you know this is my kind of professional identity in this sense and I'm on placement um with the mental health liaison team it's more okay I'm a student in Hampshire Isle of Wight and I know that these services talk to each other and this is what needs to change but it's not just one organization's issue it's a whole system thing and we're kind of giving them that opportunity to see how they kind of connect with each other who the decision makers are and kind of put that student voice in there as well as the future of you know all of these or this workforce essentially um and you know that is kind of working quite well a lot of them when they first started we give them an induction they didn't even know what an integrated care system was but then why, why would you? A lot of the t- that kind of teaching isn't in your curriculum. And would that come up in a, in a clinical placement? Probably not. It's really interesting. And, and that idea of kind of empowering, giving the students a voice, I think is really powerful and it helps create kind of leaders of the future, I guess. I guess these are the people who are going to be running the NHS in 10 years, some of them probably less than that. And, and that's really, really important that you kind of giving people that, that empowerment, that knowledge, that ability to have a voice at that level like because i think that's probably something that has been missing sometimes in the past pre-covid i think you know there are times where that's not been as well represented has it yeah and i think it's interesting hearing yourself and jess using that word leader or leadership as well that i think that's the the other aspect of it to just to add upon what jess was saying there that we're asking these these students that would come through and, and do you know depending on what on what profession they're training for, they're still doing a lot of practice hours and over a lot of time, they're doing a lot of academic study. It's it's quite different to maybe a lot of other, you know, faculties or different university programs that are not healthcare related. We're asking them to become leaders in some sort of sense. We're asking them to take on a lot and, you know, get up and running and go and do do that job within the NHS. You know, whether that's being a leader of, right, you've got to, you know, take on board and be able to manage a caseload or whether it is, yeah, I want to develop and I want to fast track my career. I want to become, you know, the practice education lead for my trust or whatever it happens to be. We're asking them to develop and become leaders very quickly. And I think this is hopefully another, another facet and aspect of the student council that's really going to help them develop their leadership skills and develop this confidence as well. And it was really interesting what Jess was saying there before about, you know, I think you sort of touched upon these, you know, certain student groups who who, who want to do this, who want to develop the confidence or want to have their voice heard, want to find out more about what is the NHS systems level, what's going on behind the scenes. So we're very conscious of that as well. And I've had some quite interesting conversations with students fairly recently where that has been, that, that that has been a lot of their talk. They've been saying, yeah, I want to fast track my career or I, I really love working with other professionals. I love working with the occupational therapists, but I'm a nurse and I love, you know, sharing what we're doing and finding out what other people are doing and sharing that best practice. So there's a lot of them that are already at that stage or they're thinking in that way of leaders. And this is hopefully just going to get them, you know, to develop those skills as well. I mean, I think that was the important thing, I think, when the kind of NMC platforms came out was that that started to represent that a little bit more. So it's really, really positive to hear that kind of, that is changing. I think, you know, I'm probably getting on now. <laughs> Been a nurse a long time. But back in the day, I don't think that was necessarily as well represented. And that leadership kind of aspect of it was kind of not really as focused on as much. And I think that's quite nice that it is changing. You guys are obviously at different stages with your kind of councils at the moment. I guess the next question is kind of like, what what's kind of happening at the moment? What stages are you at now? What's What's been the really interesting stuff 
the wins, as it were, and what's been kind of the challenges? So the, the Student Council's programme in the South East has been, in its current format, been going for about two years now, which is brilliant. And, you know, there have been challenges, um, particularly uh, even trying to recruit students onto it in the first place. There, Where it's multi-professional as well. Um, what's, what's been the big challenge sure. with recruitment, Jess, if you don't mind? Um, I think making sure we have good representation across the different professions. You know, even when you break down it into AHP land, as we like to call it, there are certain professions within the AHP professions that are really easy to recruit students for to these kind of roles. But some of the, um, I guess, smaller professions, it's been harder to reach those students because, you know, for many reasons, like they may not have known about the council. A lot of the time, the students that we have had on the councils, it's been as a result of either uh, professionals in practice or other students kind of tapping them on the shoulder and saying, have you seen this? I think you'd be really good. So for nursing and midwifery, where there's tons and tons of us, I guess maybe that, that might be a bit easier. So yeah, recruitment has definitely been a, a challenge. And until more recently, we're doing, I'll, I'll share some pictures with you if that's all okay when we kind of share this publicly. But the the the, the number of students we've got now is is great. We're not We're not fully recruited. We still have gaps. So if anyone's listening to this and wants to get involved, then please definitely connect with us if you have a place in the Southeast. But um, to, to bring them together, which we do in person um, every quarter and see, you know, all of all of those passionate, enthusiastic student leaders together is just absolutely incredible. But it has taken a good two years to get to this point, I would say. <laughs> Have you gotten that chance to have them all together as well? Like obviously COVID and, and yeah. all sorts of things probably made that logistically incredibly complicated. So um, the way we do it is the majority of their meetings and engagement is virtual. So through Microsoft Teams and social media and emails. Um, and they have kind of this system level identity where they come together, have their regular meetings. We bring stakeholders um, to those virtual meetings as well. And for those kind of more local level issues, that's where a lot of the magic happens. But then what we found was that to bring together all six of our ICS councils as a region on a quarterly basis in person, it really, um, it, it does a lot for the students and for us, to be honest, as well, um, and the stakeholders. It, it motivates them. It allows them to connect with council members um, from a different system that they may not have a lot of contact with. We bring together kind of the themes that come across all six of the councils as well. So, for example, um, the cost of living crisis and the impact on students that has, has had or is having, should I say, it continues. You know, the student well-being, uh, themes like that kind of go across the whole of the southeast so bringing them together gives them the opportunity to kind of share their innovations or what they're getting involved with so that they're kind of shining a light on good practice and what's worked for them but also sharing their own challenges so that they can you know not make the same mistakes as one another but also those opportunities for the students to just network and connect with one another you know there's so much you can do virtually but bringing them together in person really does make a difference as well so Paul, what, what do you kind of think on kind of that sort of thing and about how things are at the moment? And because you're at a much much different stage to kind of Jess, we're at a much earlier stage than than Jess and the shared decision making council down in the southeast. And and I've got I'm going to use this to publicly thank Jess because she was great when I first started in this role to have a chat and and tell me a lot about the parameters she set and how she set up the council and 
fantastic website that she's got. So that was really great learning curve and, and helped us to develop a lot of things. We've, we've kind of been quite flexible in how we've set things up and we've worked a lot with the students and with other stakeholders and partners to say, you know, how do we want to work things? How do we want to do things? So we're at the, we're just about to finish the re- the recruiting stage now for our first ever cohort. We've had a really good response. I think another important point to add for us is that um, we had fantastic buy-in from all of our stakeholders, particularly the universities who all wanted to be involved and all said we want, um, and it's interesting when Jess was mentioned about that kind of equitable representation across AHPs, I would say we're exactly the same as well. Those smaller professions or we might have no universities in our region that offer certain course professions or, or have limited opportunities for placements in regions. So it is really, really difficult. So we've we've definitely seen that as, and that's been a big learning curve and, and getting the word out and spreading the word is is the way that we're going we're gonna to look to address that. But going, off, going back off my tangent, um, what we found is, yeah, the universities have said that that kind of representation across professions, we want to make sure that we've got a representative from our university on this council as well. We want a voice and we want to work with our student ambassador schemes that we've got, you know, whether that's a, a healthcare student representative for the university or the course representative, um, or one of the, they've got one of the professional body representatives on, on their course. They want to make sure that their voice has been heard and, and they can link back in with their own university as well. So we've, we've, had a really good response. I think we've had every university in region that's had at least one pre-registration student applied for our first cohort. That's amazing. Yeah, really, really, that's really good. That. Really pleased with that. Obviously, going back to what Jess and I were saying, the smaller AHPs, it's been harder to get those, but at least we're really pleased. We've got that voice from from across the whole region. Um, so yeah, that, that's and that's the stage we're at at the moment. And then setting up the student council, we're really going to, work with those who are recruited and, and are accepting their post for around about 12 months we're looking for. I think Jess is about the same, isn't it? You, you've got them for about 12 yeah. months. Um, so we're yeah. going to look to do that and, and we're really going to look for them to develop and shape the council. And I guess, once again, it'd be really interesting to hear from you, Jess, about what's happened from your previous co- cohorts and how things have changed. Um, once again, I'm after ideas to pinch off you as well. Um, <laughs> because we're, we, yeah, we're very much seeing that we, we need the students to direct this. So once again, we're going to be getting them to develop their, their terms of reference. You know, is it 12 months they want to be involved for? You know, is it easier to do meetings on a certain day online? Um, because we've got a huge geographical area of, of North Cumbria down to the borders of South Yorkshire. It's going to be difficult for us to do um, face-to-face meetings and we're not, we've not split things via the integrated, four integrated care systems. We're keeping it regional for now, but that might be another conversation that the students say, well, actually we, we would love to look at very localized, um, you know, issues or, or things that we want to discuss. So it might be better to have th- those kind of break it down and have more representatives from, from each integrated care system area, as opposed to the whole region. But a lot of the students have been really passionate about saying, yeah, we're really interested to know what's going on up in Cumbria or down in Sheffield and, and you know, and, and working with those students. So at the moment, that's how we've we've set things up to work. Um, it's, it's a regional voice across the whole region. I think that collaboration is really important, actually. And I can appreciate the geographic kind of challenges of having such a big patch, but that collaboration and that hearing or actually I've got that problem as well from other areas is probably yeah. quite empowering for the students and kind yeah. of gives them confidence to speak up and say, well, this is something we need to change, something we need to look at. I think that's, I think that's quite an important thing. On the back of that, 
How has been the kind of engagement with kind of employers, i.e. NHS trusts, I guess, and, and us as stakeholders? Um, I'm speaking because I work for the university. So, so you know, has has there been an impact, do you think, on them? Have, have they taken positive things away from having access to that kind of student voice? Yeah, I mean, now, absolutely. It did come with its challenges at the start. I think especially when you've got kind of a new model for student voice as well. So from, you know, a university perspective, there were, um, I guess, concerns around, well, are we going to dilute the quality of student voice that comes into universities? So there was kind of a reassurance piece there around how this was different to, I guess, your student academic reps that you have. Um, and if there were any issues raised by our student council members, that was just in regards to a particular university making sure that we fed straight into, I guess, those academics, but also their student reps as well. And then, but, you know, that's come full circle now. At our most recent regional council meeting, we had a lot of academics from across the region there um, and the engagement was absolutely fantastic. And all, all of the universities across the region, in fact, they do, when we do our recruitment rounds, they share that opportunity with their students through their, you know, virtual learning environments and other other means as well. And we do um, kind of uh, updates following the ICS meetings and disseminate that through the university. So that's so from a university perspective, going great. Was a bit tricky at the start, but we've got there now. Brilliant. <laughs> now that we know, you know, what the kind of purpose of our student councils are, where they sit, and those kind of links in. Um, when it comes to organisations, again, if I'm honest, I think it was a bit of a learning curve for me as well. I don't think I truly, and I probably still don't now because health and social care is really huge and confusing. Let's let's be honest, isn't it? So there was a bit of a kind of a tactic of, you know, where do we have a lot of student practice placement hours? Let's focus on those organisations first. Let's get the education teams. Education teams, when it comes to student councils, have been my best friends like they've been completely awesome about kind of getting that student involvement within the organization has been great and then I guess your kind of executive leaders um has been vital now too but now that we have I guess the web page we have that kind of presence it's really the engagement with those that level of stakeholders has been fantastic you know we're able to provide them with quarterly reports on you know exactly what our student council members are talking about and how does this fit into your work stream so it's a very two-way relationship now but it has again it's taken a while to get there but I feel like we finally got that system in place um there's, there's always room for improvement though as well and we like to hear from our stakeholders about you know what do you need student voice on and what does that look like to you as well and it's not about having kind of that tokenistic bum on a seat it's about right you you need student voice and you need student engagement on this work stream what are the terms of reference what do you see as their input being and then we'll go back to the student council members and ultimately they'll decide whether it's something that kind of fits their objectives and agenda as well so yeah that's that's really that's really no no i know i just that kind of joined up kind of thinking is quite i think that's quite important and i think it's interesting to see that that relationship's now kind of being reinforced and built up and, and that sort of thing. I, I guess, Paul, from your perspective, you're probably still really early on in those conversations with the NHS trusts, the stakeholders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've had quite a few that have said already that particularly the practice educators from local trusts have, have said that they're really keen 
to get involved and, and, you know, come and be part of guest speakers of the meetings or whatever it happens to be. And exactly as Jess said, to kind of sort of have those conversations about saying, well, yeah, we could really do with the student voice. But they, but then the question back to them is, well, what exactly is that student voice you need and how can that link in with the council or it, are the specific members of the council? Is it specific professions? Is it a wider voice? So yeah, you're absolutely right. Those conversations are going on at the moment. And then obviously the benefit I've got is sitting within um, NHSE at that kind of workforce level is that we, we I'm working on obviously in, in the meetings with a lot of the different workforce leads and particularly the, the projects that are going on in relation to workforce and training. The two that we've got that, that, un, that are going to underpin our um, multi-professional student council are the, uh, the repair student retention project and leap placement expansion project. And as Jess has said, they're particularly in relation to the, to the placements and Health and, the, and particularly social care and, and the private individually and private independent voluntary organisations. I'll get out eventually. It, it obviously getting students who are working there all opportunities for them to do placements where some students want to do that or there's there's opportunities to expand placements out with these providers. There's a lot of that kind of work or research we're probably going to be doing and, and looking to build and develop new contacts with those. But certainly. A lot, for example, the university deans meetings that we go into and sit in there really keen to f- um, feedback things to uh, the student council where they think they could do with a student voice or get guest speakers into their meetings to, to you know, discuss certain issues or barriers or students' perspectives on things at the moment. So we, we've got those conversations on going on. And I think, I guess it's very broad in scope at the minute. So it's going to be kind of really drawing that down because we're limited on what we can do in a certain time frame as well. So it's making sure that we, um, we look at the kind of very bespoke or specific projects and, and, and tighten that down. Is that affecting how recruitment and employment is going to go? Do you think in the future, I guess the question is about the future, I guess for both years as well, is, is like what's going to happen kind of in the next couple of years with it? How's this going to evolve? Do you think? So for, for the Southeast um, and we're working, starting to work toward this, now is we want the integrated care system to take the student councils on board and it be part of their kind of business as usual I guess but then bigger picture with Florence Nightingale Foundation is we we are doing an evaluation on this piece of work but also kind of wider student voice as well and the impact on I guess careers if you have these opportunities and I guess education as well, isn't well, it? It's about that learning. That was my thought, you see, because when, I, when yeah. I looked at your website and I've kind of had the conversations with Paul, was one of the things that I, you could almost have like your recruitment and employment influenced by it. And then that might change like things like preceptorship. And actually you've got a yeah. very much like participant kind of direction for that, what they need from that kind of perceptive that transition yeah. from a university environment to a professional clinical environment. It's quite a tricky one. And I think very often it's kind of quite prescriptive. And I think that's quite an interesting thing for me. I'd love to, I'd love to see the article for that because there'll be some interesting things to take away from that. And I bet you most NHS trusts would kind of go, oh, actually, maybe we can modify what we do based on what the students need, what the, what the council is saying that our state, that our future employees or future leaders, what do they need from us? And there's not a lot of opportunity for them to get that information, I would imagine. Would you agree with that or? No, it is, it is a bit of a what next piece, isn't it, with these things? Um, and that, that was actually um, one of the questions that we got at the regional meeting um, back in March was, you know, this, this is brilliant. We can see that this is working for that student voice piece, but kind of what next for when these, when these people join their respective registers and professions? Like they've had this kind of taste 
that there is that that risk that they kind of become absorbed and are then just a number within the wider workforce like how can we help them to develop these skills further and get involved but then you know some of them might might not want to some of them might think you know that was a nice thing to do when I was a student but now I want to focus on something else but for those who have started to work at a system level or you know got involved at these decision making tables to then take it away it seems a bit cruel really if I'm honest um so how we can kind of empower our early career professionals to get involved and you know with my nursing hat on um there are uh, a number of organizations that use shared governance structures and shared decision making councils within organizations but is that something that people look for when they apply for their first post but I don't know. I think it would be great just to have the student councils where they could, we could embed that voice of the newly qualified professionals as well. So we could see and, and look at those perspectives on, yeah, a preceptorship's working, you know, are there any other kind of issues that are, that are going on at the moment? Are, are there the same sort of issues that they faced when they were students and the pre-registration or, you know, and I think from the other perspective when in relation to your question, Ian, about what, we can hopefully develop from my background in careers and education. I've already had this conversation with some of the, the applicants for our student council about really wanting to spread the word about what the, what their profession is, where, why they chose it, their passion for it, and, and particularly engaging young people. And very much from perspective of professions like learned disability nurses, where we need to increase the numbers massively, regionally, nationally, and for getting young people to understand what that is, because I think it quite often gets missed and we quite often do webinars and engage with our schools and college career networks. And, you know, we're running specialist webinars to tell them the difference between a learned disability nurse and a mental health nurse or a child nurse and those kind of things. And I don't think often young people are aware of those different fields or how different it can be working as an LD nurse as opposed to an adult you know, adult nurse working in a ward in a hospital. Very, very different. So I know a lot of the students are passionate to, get the voice out there as well about, hey, this is our profession. This is what it is. This is why we like it. This is what you need to do to get there on that particular career path and really hopefully inspire the next generation. So that's another aspect where I would like to drive it moving forward in the future. It's quite interesting. So, so before my university life, I used to work with foundation doctors, so the newly qualified doctors. And what really interested me, and I'd been a nurse clinically for a long time, I'd had students, I'd had preceptors for a very, very long time, is that whatever the profession, actually quite often the need from them was very similar. And it was about, you know, the sim- getting the simple things right, the payroll, the, the who do I contact about X, Y, Z and those sorts of things. And that fit CF space to talk to people as well. And I think that was quite an important thing. It was quite a revelation to me, I think, at the time to think, because you kind of think it's almost newly qualified doctor, that they're all complete. They're put together. They're, they know what they're doing. They're, you know, highly intelligent, highly motivated. And then you put them into this giant machine that is the NHS yeah. and they all go, Oh my God, don't, I don't know what I do. And they have no one to talk to and no one to access. So it was really interesting for me to hear that from you too. And I wonder if that comes out from what the work you're kind of doing in the future and, and whether or not that's an I mean, still there. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent in regards to that sense of belonging piece you're talking about as yeah. well. And uh, for us, like current student council members, uh, a lot of their reflections, you know, when we've just been having conversations about their experience, one of parts, they have like a support package in our student councils as well, like support and benefits. So we do one-to-ones with them um, just to kind of, if they've got any, not silly questions, but you know what I mean? There's kind of questions that sometimes you wouldn't ask in a big meeting full of people if they can have a quick check-in with us. 
and then we can kind of coach and support them through that. But yeah, some of their reflections have been around the fact that if they weren't part of this, you know, they've had a bit of a wobble on their course or it's kind of made them realise that there is so much more out there in regards to multi-professional working and connecting with other people who are, I guess, have the same mindset as them as well. as what they've been saying. Like they didn't realise there are other people that were like as motivated and passionate about advocacy and making change and all of those kind of things, which is, which is brilliant that we, at FNF, we do really think that the kind of student shared decision-making stuff definitely links strongly into the retention agenda. Like we are helping keep these people in health and social care through these different opportunities. A lot of this kind of next generation of healthcare professionals are looking for portfolio careers. So let's give them some more skills to be able to equip them to be able to do that and stay stay in the profession. Why Why not? I, and again, sorry, going off on a tangent, I can't help it. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a great point. I think it's fantastic. And that's really interesting to hear that because that's probably what's probably going to happen up here. I, I hope. I think that that's a real positive side in that retention. And I think, you know, that's important that we have professionals to take these jobs on in the future and that they feel that they belong and that they're developed and all of those sorts of things. And I think that's really interesting that that's coming out now and with, with you. I think, I, I think that's fantastic. I guess last kind of major question now is, I guess, you know, we want to kind of try and recruit some students here, don't we? And, and we want to get students involved and feel empowered that they can do this. If you had to kind of talk to a student now about doing this and, and what are the benefits and what are the benefits for them and what are the benefits for their profession as a whole in, in doing this, what, what would you kind of, what would be your sales pitch here? I think we're looking to offer them the sort of benefits from the program in our region, looking to offer them that a comprehensive leadership and, and coaching program for them to develop their skills and the confidence. And that once again, go back to what we're saying, understanding that regional and national um, you know, healthcare systems, what goes on, um, uh, particularly focused on the workforce development, the retention stuff that we've mentioned. Um, we're exploring options and I know they've done this in other regions and it's something we need to speak about on a profession by profession basis and with each individual university, but certainly looking about, is there opportunities for them to gain some practice hours? Can we at NHS England offer them potential leadership placement opportunities? So we're exploring those things. And, and hopefully we can negotiate and get something in place so that they're actually getting something out of it that's going to count towards, um, you know, their academic studies that they're doing at the moment for their placement hours. It's given them the opportunity to be involved in different local or region-wide initiatives and really sitting them on those forums, forums and giving them that voice and that platform as well. But even going back to that careers area we were talking about, just being able to enhance the CV and develop new professional networks new employment opportunities, you know, getting to know about fellowship opportunities that might be out there, that kind of stuff as well. Um, and, and yeah, just really sharing ideas and driving the quality of healthcare and, and, you know, making sure that we keep that, that retention of students in the area. That's the, the big benefits we're looking to, to offer those students. So Jess, what would you kind of pitch that if you were doing? I'm not a great salesperson, <laughs> um, but I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping that my passion for this after doing it for the last two years will kind of come through. But um, it, it's that the first, the first bit is about that leadership development for, for the individual student council member. You're, you're not 
just a bum on a seat. You go through a leadership program with the Florence Nightingale Foundation, but also those kind of uh, non-taught skill, that exposure to different styles of leadership through the meetings that you're part of and um, collaborating with other students and how, how they lead as well is, is a huge part of the student council's programme in the southeast. But then, you know, this is a vehicle for you to actually make change. A lot of the time students say, oh, you know, we're, we're over-surveyed, we give feedback, but then we don't actually see what happens next. You are, through the student council's programme, part of the solution and, and the kind of, you said we did, this is what's happening, um, and working with others to make that change happen. And sometimes, you know, it does move at a glacial pace. So that is the way that <laughs> the NHS works sometimes. But other times, um, especially, you know, working in the charity sector, things move really fast. And you can, you know, what may be a, a small thing can make a huge difference to many, many students. And that's what our student council members are part of. We've already spoken about, I guess, the power of the network. But that opportunity to feel like you're part of something more than your university or where you're currently on placement, um, networking with like-minded students, but also established leaders in practice and beyond who, you know, really want to hear from students and really want to make things better. But then that kind of that learning piece and that looking up that I spoke about earlier, where your awareness of how different organizations how health and social care kind of connects and works together will be massively raised as being part of something like this and yeah okay it doesn't link to an assignment for your overall degree or anything like that but I think the skills and the exposure that you get through doing these extracurricular opportunities is just huge and it, it will have an impact on your future career in in some sense or another it, even if it's not you know this is this is your job that you go into just what you can then bring to your clinical practice or wherever you end up is is awesome see you're a great salesperson <laughs> i was i was quite inspired. <laughs> um, i think i think for me i think for me like the big thing that you can make those small changes that make a big difference to lots of different people i mean it's probably why most of us got into some sort of healthcare in the first place was that was making those differences to people and i think that's a big selling point for me i think i probably will look amazing to like an employer like you've been involved in this strategic level kind of thing it, it, it demonstrates all those quality leadership qualities all those integrated working things all those interprofessional learning things i think it's a great thing for an employer to look for in a member of staff i think that's a good place to kind of end i think i think from you guys if somebody wanted to apply to come and be part of this what what would they do Jess what would they, what would they do for you guys in the Florence Nightingale Foundation if they just um, hop onto our website find the student council's page and we've always got an expression of interest form running so even if it's not one of our um, kind of recruitment rounds you just pop that application in and then it comes straight through to my inbox and if anyone has any queries just you know drop me an email connect with me on social media as you can tell I love talking about student councils so I might chew you off a bit <laughs> Actually, I would say if you get an opportunity to look at the Florence Nightingale Foundation website, it's fantastic. And there's some really good like examples of like really good reflective practice in there. There's some really engaging blogs. There's some really interesting stuff to hear about other professions and how they've integrated with this. It, it is worth a look like nationwide across all health professions to worthwhile having a little look at it. It's a really good website. I'm big fan of it. Um, I spent about three hours on it, to be quite honest, and had a good look through quite a lot of the different things on there. The blogs particularly shone to me. They were fantastic. So I really, really do go and have a look. 
Paul, what about what about for us up here in the in the cold north? Yeah, and unfortunately, we don't have an all singing, all dancing website yet. Hopefully, that's <laughs> going to come because, but it is yeah, the Florence Nightingale one is definitely one that we would be borrowing ideas from Jess. Um, it is great, but at the, at the moment, we've literally, as as I mentioned earlier, just recruited for the first cohort. But we do a similar thing, an expression of interest form. The best thing for anybody to do at the moment is just drop um, us a quick email to our. Um, student council inbox, which is MPSC, a multi-professional student council at hee.nhs.uk. And if they just drop us an email with any queries or they want to know about the expression of interest form or um, they want any further information, leaflets or anything like that, we've got all that stuff we can we can send out to them. And also if anybody is listening and they're from any stakeholder groups within healthcare or the pre-registration students anywhere else in the country, if they want to drop either, you know, go on the website for Florence Nightingale Foundation or drop me an email, I'll happily link them up with, you know, whoever is their their regional lead elsewhere. Same here, you know, you can contact me and I'll put you in the right direction of who you need to talk to and I'll do my best to do that. We'll all and help. I'll, put all we'll that all in, I'll put all that info in the podcast description. So if you need to have, have a look and, and that'll all be there for you to quickly access. It's actually been really fantastic talking to us. I could have done this for about three hours, but I think we'll kind of draw things to a close there. I really appreciate your time, Jess, and I hope you're happy with everything that we've kind of discussed and, and anything you want to end on? No, just a huge thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about the Student Council's programme. And I will um, give you a kind of call call to action as maybe you should have one with student council members at some point as well. I mean, and once your first cohort's in. I mean, I think me and Paul have already had a little chat about that. And I think that's definitely one for the... I'd love to hear their reflections on it after they've done it for a little yeah. while. I think it'd be really, mm. I think it'd be quite inspiring. I think it'd be good for us to listen to. I think we could, we could have a whole series of podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm happy making a podcast for anything, right? So uh, that, that's no problem at all for me. It's been great talking to you. Anything from you, Paul, that you kind of want to? No, I just, uh, Echoing what Jess said there, yeah, thanks very much for giving us this opportunity to spread the word about uh, what we're doing and absolutely really keen to to organise some other opportunities once we've got things up and running with students in post to have a, a conversation and share their passion and enthusiasm for their, their role in their studies. Absolutely. Both very inspiring people. Thank you for talking to me. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.